All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Daily Face-Off Podcast comes courtesy of The Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 8, Episode 26 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Segan. Back in the building, we've got Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs. Bondi, back in the flesh, gentlemen. D, how's it going? Oh, man, just the best. I love this place. <laughs> Nowhere I'd rather be on a cold, wet, rainy Thursday night than here, talking puck with the two of you. We really, every time Ooh. we get together and do one of these, it's just like the worst weather night of all time. Yeah. Yeah. There's never a calm night. We've never, I mean, I guess that's what happens when you do a podcast in the winter yeah. in yeah. Ontario as opposed to the summer, but Beebs, how's it going? It's good. Uh, there is somewhere else I'd rather be right now, and that would be at the Windsor Spitfires game watching Shane Wright, um, which I wouldn't actually, but I just want to, you know, I just want to bring that up that we just acquired a legend in the town of yeah, uh, that's gonna be awesome, Windsor. super exciting, and uh, we're we're big uh, big Spitz boys down here, so um, pretty cool to see, you know, a guy that for three years was a supposed to be number one overall pick, then went number four. Um, we're gonna see him Captain do some damage. World Junior team, yeah, absolutely scored that beauty of a backhander in the final or in the uh, gold medal game. So uh, to say I'm excited. Is an understatement, but I haven't slept in three days. So, uh, yeah, welcome to Windsor, Shane Wright. I did see a post that he was he wanted to come to Windsor just as bad as Windsor wanted him. Don't know how much truth there is there. I but love that. Who I, I love I love to hear that. Nobody, you know, like D, no place he'd rather be, Windsor, Ontario. So, and I think the best part about getting him was that on Sunday it was announced that London had pretty much locked him in. Yep. For actually Radic Bonk's son, which was kind of hilarious. I didn't know how he played there. That. Quite talented. And, uh, 
And then Monday it came out that Windsor got him. So that makes it that much more sweeter. Um, go Spitz. All right. That was the OHL update. Yeah, that's what you get. Kind of the NHL. GFO Fantasy Podcast. Um, okay, we're going to go a little bit in reverse in today's episode. Um, we're going to start with D's streamers. Um, and then in the second half of the show, we're going to pick our second half breakouts and busts. Um, at the center, or not, sorry, the forward, defense, and goalie positions. We, we each have one for each of them. And uh, just to kind of remind you, like in the preseason when we're talking bust, a lot of it has to do with um, ADP, right? They're not going to live up to their value. So we're not really picking guys that are going to suck in the second half of the season, but more just maybe not live up to the expectations that they've built up through the first half of the season. So I guess in a, in a roundabout way, it's probably kind of a sell high in to a certain extent, uh, yeah. but we'll call them bust just for the sake of it. Anyways, let's, without any further ado, get to D for D's weekend streamers. All right, so taking a look at the weekend schedule, we have three games on Friday, 13 on Saturday, three on Sunday, so NHL is very much back in its full regular rotation. Uh, playing Friday and Sunday, we have just the Winnipeg Jets this weekend, so we're just going to take a bit of a deep dive at the Jets here. Otherwise, we're just looking at one-off plays on Friday and Sunday. Uh, so let's take a look at the Jets. As you might expect, most of their desirable pieces are well-owned in fantasy. Four of their top six forwards are above the 80% mark, along with, of course, uh, Josh Morrissey. But that does potentially leave us with a pair of interesting forwards to go after. This one will be hit or miss whether or not he's available in your league. But at just 48% owned, there is a good chance Blake Wheeler is available to be picked up and streamed this weekend. Uh, Wheeler's role has certainly diminished this season, but he's still playing almost 18 minutes a night. He's got 27 points in 32 games. Uh, shot volume is still pretty reliable. He's just not going to be one uh, to convert on a you know good op- or a good amount of his scoring chances. So always more likely to get you an assist or two than a goal. So keep that in mind if you are chasing goals this weekend. But he is a near lock to add to your counting stats over those two games. Currently on the second power play unit, but he is rolling with Shifley at 5v5, along with my other top streaming target, Cole Perfetti. Perfetti tends to get love whenever the Jets are uh, on the streaming segment, and it's usually because, uh, aside from Wheeler, he's the only one in the top six that you can find on the wire in most leagues. He carries triple position eligibility. He's available in 84% of Yahoo leagues right now. Uh, And as mentioned, skating on the second line with Shifley and Wheeler gets plenty of time at the second power play unit as well. So definitely my second pick if Wheeler is available, but I think he's a fine consolation prize this weekend. Ice time has been trending up of late uh, and just the sheer offensive talent that he's playing with uh, at 5v5 as well as on the power play makes him a solid bet to pick up at least a point this weekend. The Jets take on Pittsburgh on Friday, which is a bit of a tough matchup, but they do get the Yotes on Sunday. So they'll be a big favorite in that game uh, and really giving Perfetti and Wheeler plenty of upside and the potential to steal your matchup this weekend. So uh, on the off chance that both forwards are rostered, but Neil Pionk at 51% owned is available. I would take him. He'd be ranked in my third spot here. And then in deeper leagues, or if you're late to the wire, I think Adam Lowry is worth a shot as well. 11% owned. Uh, sees a decent amount of ice time at 16 minutes, not in the best situations, but uh, we'll take that if uh, once we get down to it. So uh, I got Wheeler at one, Perfetti at two, Pionk three, Lowry four. So four decent options there. Hopefully uh, one of the top three is available and, and obviously more preferably one of Wheeler or Perfetti to get you a couple of extra games this weekend. Yeah, you never want to have to fall back on Lowry, but always solid. Yeah. Plays a ton. He does play a ton. We like minutes. Uh, and then we are looking, of course... To the goaltenders in the crease as well. Uh, let's take a look at the teams on a back-to-back this weekend, either Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday. We've got Arizona, Carolina, Edmonton, Montreal, New Jersey, Pittsburgh, and Vancouver. So right away, 
as we like to do, we can write off Arizona, Montreal, and Vancouver <laughs> for quite obvious <laughs> reasons, uh, i.e. they are bad teams with bad <laughs> matchups this weekend. So Van- or Edmonton, we're also going to cross off the list. Both of those goalies are over 65% owned, so we're not going to waste our time there. Uh, and that leaves us with Carolina, Pittsburgh, and New Jersey. So Carolina hosts the Penguins on Saturday and then the Canucks on Sunday. Obviously, we want to target the Vancouver game. I, you know, a little bit more clarity now that while we're recording the show, Anderson came back tonight. So I would, you know, assume if all goes well, there's a good chance he goes on Saturday, uh, which means probably rant on Sunday. Did they, ma- they haven't made a transaction yet. I they think all three known. goalies are still on the roster. Correct. I would imagine, I mean, the assumption is Kachekov would be the one to go down. I think mm-hmm. he's got the two-way contract. Yeah. Um, and he was obviously the one you'd be most concerned about getting consistent ice time right Struggled now. Struggled as, as well. of late, too. Made it a lot easier to make that decision. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Ranta also the most, uh, or the, I guess the most available of the three at just 45% own. So our best bet is to hope that Koch does, in fact, go down. Freddie starts Saturday. You know, good to go after tonight. And then Ranta gets the Canucks on Sunday. So that's the goal here. That's the ideal scenario. Um, because Ranta would probably be the top star on the slate if he does go. So certainly one to watch as the weekend unfolds, because, yeah, definitely a lot of different ways that that one could unfold. Uh, Pittsburgh have the Jets at home Friday before traveling to Carolina on Saturday. Uh, Saturday, excuse me. I'm certainly looking to avoid the Canes on Saturday, and the start against the Jets on Friday carries a fair amount of risk as well. Uh, but still, whether it's Casey to Smith, 23% owned, or Dustin Tokarski, 1% owned in net on Friday, uh, the Penguins should be no worse than a coin flip to win the game. So could be a risk worth taking if you're chasing wins this week. Obviously, yeah. just keep an eye on DFO Friday morning if we get any um, insight. You would expect to Smith to go the first game, Tokarski to go uh, the second of the two games on Saturday. Uh, but we'll see. DeSmith did get pulled in his last start. Tokarski would play pretty well in relief. So we'll have to see what happens there uh, Friday morning. And is there like a more random goalie that we've seen just absolutely steal games in the last couple of years than Dustin Tokarski? I, I don't think so. So you might be on to something there. He's ready. Uh, as we saw with just the terrible Buffalo teams in the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, that's uh, and, and, and kind of wild. Uh, you're, you're getting a guy with NHL experience there as a third goalie, not yeah. just a whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, either if it's the Smith or Tokarski, they're both going to carry risk to your splits. So it's more about if you're chasing the wind. Uh, it'll be a good option. And then the Devils are in Anaheim on Friday, in L.A. on Saturday. Really, we are just interested in the off chance that Mackenzie Blackwood, 13% owned, is A, healthy, and B, gets the first game this weekend against the Ducks. Uh, the Devils won't be massive underdogs in L.A. on Saturday, but there will be plenty of better options given the size of the slate and the fact that obviously the Devils will be playing their second game in as many nights that day. So uh, they will be big favorites in Anaheim, however, uh, and you know certainly nothing to indicate that the Devils would go against the norm and sit their starter for the first game of a back-to-back, uh, but certainly still a situation to monitor Friday as Blackwood would be a slam dunk play if he does get the Ducks or Akira Schmid for yeah, that say matter. Schmid's but, been just an absolute way. Yeah, but, but I, the only reason Schmid came up was because Blackwood couldn't go the last time that the yeah, uh, spot in the rotation black, came yeah. up. So, uh, yeah, like I said, no real reason why they would go to Blackwood first in that game other than maybe you want to save the starter for the tougher game. But, uh, you know, general logic from head coaches in the NHL tends to be to play the starter on the first night, try to lock up that win. But we'll see what happens. I, I think they're probably pretty eager to get Blackwood back in the net, uh, get his confidence going, and they'd probably love for him to take some starts from Vanacek down the line here. Uh, obviously, it wasn't too long ago that he was billed as their goalie of the future. So, uh, yeah, one to watch. I think it makes sense to give him that cushy matchup, get his confidence up a bit, but this is all speculation. So we just got to follow these starts and see how they unfold throughout the weekend. Yeah, ranking them, I would have Ranta. If he goes Sunday against the Canucks, he'd be in my number one spot. Uh, and then two, Blackwood, 
uh, if he goes Friday against the Ducks. Otherwise, I'd have Pittsburgh starter versus Winnipeg in that second spot. So not the best options this weekend, but if Rant is there, which there's a good chance that he's getting dropped this week with Freddie coming back, um, you can kind of get out ahead of it and pick him up because he'll more than likely be going against the Canucks on Sunday. Yeah, that uh, they all sound terrific. The uh, you know Blackwood against the Ducks is is you know, a lock. <laughs> Fingers crossed if he gets the game. You you would imagine that would be the case. The way that they've been kind of handling things throughout, I think that that's definitely the route that they'll go. Um, and if you were a listener that you know strictly tunes in for D streamers, we got that one out of the way for you in the first ten yeah. minutes. Hit the hit just, the five star button. Turn yeah, it hit off. The five star. <laughs> see you later. You don't have to stick around for breakouts and busts. But speaking of them, let's get into it right now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So since we just had the listeners listen to D talk for 10 minutes, and this could set a record for the longest period of time, I go without talking on a rant. So we'll start with you, Beebs. Who is your breakout forward for the second half of the season? Our soon-to-be highest-rated episode based off the first 20 minutes. Um, My breakout forward had to go a little little wild here, but uh, Quentin Byfield out in L.A. may have heard of him, may have known that he went second overall back in 2020, and he really hasn't done much since. So you know what? He's got to break out at some point. So that's why I'm jumping on it. Um, and we've never actually seen Byfield in a better position than we're currently seeing right now. Paired on the first line with uh, Anze Kopitar and Adrian Kempe. Both guys who you know can drive play incredibly well. We've seen Byfield. He's a big body, quick out there. Someone who you know might just need that extra help to kind of get him used to, to the NHL speed and what's going on around him. He had nine goals and 15 points in 16 games in the AHL before getting the call up. And since he's gotten called up, his issue before was ice time. Lately, pushing around 15 minutes a night while he's on that top line. He's got three points in his last five games, which is a great sign. That's a goal and two assists. Um, And he's been shooting a lot more in that time as well. His last five games, he has seven of his total 13 shots in the year. So he had absolutely nothing going for him before he got moved up that lineup. But with it working, I do think that LA kind of has to see what they have here. You don't pay a second overall pick. Uh, for a guy and not give it prime ice time. Uh, we saw Gabriel, Gabriel Valerdi 
succeed in that role earlier. We saw Arthur Kayev do the same. Now it's time for Quentin Byfield to step up with that prospect pre- pedigree. And uh, la- the final thing for him, that one just took a lot to get out, is that <laughs> L.A. kind of, they kind of play their, or at least recently, they play their power play pretty 60-40. And he tends to be on the second uh, unit, which is obviously 40% power play. But that's better than a lot of teams that go 90-10 or anything like that. So Byfield does see a little bit of power play time. He only has one power play point in his whole career. So, you know, maybe this is something that can help kickstart those points. With all this talent that had him go second overall, and he was actually considered to be first that year as well, um, there is something there. So maybe we finally have dug into it, have started to get it out and if it does break out there's not really many ceilings that are quite as high as byfield out there and i think a lot of people have forgot about him but the kid is writing him off already it, absolutely and he's only 20 years old he's 6'5 220 he skates like he's 5'5 170 and uh and, so and i've been playing yeah, nhl too absolutely a little bit just the yeah. sliders yeah <laughs> that's what he does uh with that size but no i, I like by Byfield a lot, and uh, if we're looking at breakouts that could kind of come out of nowhere, I think this is uh, this is a pretty good one. Uh, someone who's probably about zero percent owned and all. Yeah, these, so. my only concern with Byfield is just the fact that oh, if he Mor- goes back, he's gonna be shit. We well, have yeah, more and Cali have or more yeah, more and Cali have come back. Like, where does Byfield fit into it? They obviously have some other pieces that they can move out of the lineup before Byfield. You know, Carl Grunstrom's your Anderson Dolans, um, but it seems like you know they they sent Byfield back for a reason, but. I do agree that if, if he sticks in this t- you know role, he he's yeah. going to be great. He's going to be fine. Um, I in like no way want people picking him up right now, unless it's maybe a spot start while he's there. But it's someone to keep an eye on, just knowing he's playing at the most minutes a night that he ever has, and yeah. he's in that role. With he, he's coming players. off of a nice game too the other night against the Sharks. Played sixteen forty seven, which was huge. He had a game in, in Boston um, earlier as well where he played seventeen and a half minutes. So if you see a nice time like that with Kopitar, I think it's gonna be good. The one thing that's been, um, you know, I don't know how much the the team's looking at the analytics, um, but. Kopitar's line for a lot of this season has struggled a little bit defensively in comparison to what they've, um, you know, we've seen from them in recent years. And for whatever reason, Kempe, Byfield, and Kopitar has been absolutely locked down defensively as of late. So if that is the, uh, you know, maybe the make or break for him, that that could be good news for him to uh, to remain in that spot. So it's going to be interesting how things shake out when everybody gets back in the lineup. But uh, Byfield, obviously, incredible pedigree. My breakout for the second half is Owen Tippett. Tippett's been a guy that we've talked about quite a bit, just kind of on the periphery of fantasy relevance for for a while. Um, and he's and he's kind of found a role here in Philadelphia. He's got three goals, four assists in his last seven games. He's playing over 15 minutes per night. The shot volume is really what's interesting. He's got a great shot. He gets used on the power play as well. Um, that whole lineup is kind of interesting because they all kind of play like 16 minutes a night. Nobody really kind of dominates the, the usage. Uh, but in the same breath as Owen Tippett, I think you could probably lump Joel Farabee in the same mix. We're, you know, really good uh, rookie year, kind of, uh, you know, fell back a little bit. But now he's up to 24 points in 42 games. He's been hot as of late as well. And he's probably one that's playing a little bit more ice time on that Travis Konechny line that's been playing really, really well. He's got nine points in his last 10. But he just doesn't shoot enough. So that's the one difference maker for me why I went with Tippett. We're a, a podcast that is all about shot volume. And that's what you get when you look at Owen Tippett. So that's the kind of difference maker for me there. Uh, D, we'll go to you for your second half breakout player. Um, and then we've got a couple other forward names just to list off um, before we move on to the defenseman. Yeah. 
Um, I like Tippett as well, by the way. I talked about him a bit last week, but I agree. I, he's just always someone to me who's impressed with the shot volume and limited ice. So good to see him get the expanded role and take advantage of it. Would love to see a way for him and connecting to get on the same line, but uh, with them both holding down the right side pretty uh, exclusively, it's hard to imagine that happening anytime soon. But you never know. We've seen Konecti play left and even in the middle of the ice before. So yeah. And three uh, points in four games since we suggested him last week. So Slaying. Uh, we slam. love that. But my uh, oh, my pick here, um, really excited about, and is one that I'm definitely recommending everyone go to the wire and pick up if he is still available. That's Mason McTavish, uh, center left wing eligible, 24% owned right now uh, in Yahoo leagues. The third overall pick of the 2021 NHL entry draft. He's still just 19 years old for a couple more weeks, uh, but beginning to take on a starring role on this Ducks team. On the season, McTavish has nine goals, 17 assists for 26 points in 42 games. He's got 91 shots in those 42 games while averaging just under 15 minutes a night. Really, he's got everything we're looking for in a second-half breakout. He's got tremendous draft pedigree, obviously, as a third overall pick from just uh, over a year ago. He's obviously a young player who continues to improve. He's put up impressive shot totals and limited ice time. And his role and usage for the second half of the season project to be much greater than what he saw for most of the first half. So spent the first chunk of the season fighting for time in the Ducks' bottom six. And the second power play unit in his first 21 games, he recorded just three goals and seven assists to go along with 39 shots and an average time on ice of 13 and a half minutes per game. But in late November, the script began to flip for him. He started getting more and more opportunity. He's getting featured regularly in the top six and eventually the top power play unit as well. And over his last 21 games, he's picked up six goals and 10 assists while registering 52 shots on goal and averaging over 60 minutes a night's time. So everything's trending in the right direction. They've been even more exaggerated over the last couple weeks. Over his last five games, he's picked up three goals and three assists while firing 15 shots on goal and playing over 18 minutes a night. So everything, like I said, trending in the right direction. Only a matter of time before the fantasy community catches on. He was bumped to the top line with with Henrique and Terry, and that's really seen his, his usage bump up a couple minutes per night which has been, you know, obviously the spot that you want to be in that lineup. Absolutely. And if he's still available in your standard size league, like I said, I'd grab him immediately. Absolutely, yeah. I think he's worth going after in trades as well if he is rostered because he's probably someone you can get as a sweetener or a throw-in without uh, really making him the focus of the trade. Uh, and in dynasty leagues, like it might be your last chance to get him at a discount before, um, you know, he's, he's really valued for what his talent and his upside suggests. So I think at the very least, given the direction his ice time and roller headed, I think he's on pace to finish with similar point totals to Zegras a season ago. Uh, and if that happens, obviously good luck trying to pry him away in any sort of keeper in dynasty league. The other thing I would say that's really interesting and could really help him, um, take this game to the next level, extremely small sample size, but him and Zegras together have been phenomenal. I think it's about a 50 minute sample at five V five. They're at like 37 scoring chances, 18 high danger per 60, um, and with like a, yeah. I think four expected goals per 62. So yeah. the Ducks are so terrible. Like why not try it? And yeah. That's kind of why he's getting, you know, 22 minutes. Yeah. So. And they can both play either the left side or down the middle. So there's a couple of different ways where you could potentially see them getting together on a line. And like I said, if that happens, I think, um, that's where his upside could really take off. Like some sort of a, a Zegris McTavish Terry line, I think would be the dream. Uh, and would, would kind of, at least from a fantasy perspective, yeah, would really help those guys. Uh, max out their production this season so if that happens like he'll be a super usable piece in redraft leagues this year um, and could help really just push your team on in the second half yeah no he is the kind of the number one breakout here in the second half it appears uh he's just in a great spot and he's been somebody that i've been playing on DraftKings like crazy because he's super cheap and his shot volume has just been so reliable he's basically a lock for three shots a night at this point which is obviously you know just tremendous 
uh, for him. A couple other names that stuck out to me at forward. One is Seth Jarvis. I know he was, you know, somebody I was really high on again coming into the season. Uh, but with Max Pacioretty back in the fold, I think that's going to help him a lot. They've kind of solidified that top six now with Pacioretty back. And then Pacioretty Pacioretty gets hurt. <laughs> yeah, he got hurt tonight, left the game. It's unclear how it's unrelated to his Achilles injury, which is good news. Uh, but the shot volume is still really, really good for Seth Jarvis. He's got 13 points, uh, sorry, 14 points in his last 22 games, which is great. Uh, Ely Tolvanen is also a guy that we talked about and really expected to, to break out and just never really got the opportunity in Nashville. Now he finds himself in Seattle. He scored again tonight to give himself four goals, two assists uh, for seven points in seven games and suiting up in a Seattle jersey. Good scoop. He had four shots on goal tonight to give him 15 shots in seven games. Um, the shot volume are, you know, is really kind of coinciding with the minutes. He, he, he was starting out around 10, uh, saw about 12, 13 minutes. Tonight he saw 17 minutes. So if that's a sign of things to come, I think Tolvanen's a guy to keep an eye on. Is he still on the third line as of today? Yeah, he's still okay. with Yanni Gord yeah. as of today, but 17 that minutes up. tonight, yeah. that, you know, obviously that's a line that still plays quite a bit there. So uh, I think Tolvanen ha- has a chance to have a pretty decent second half. Um, and, and, and another guy for me is, is Barrett Hayton. Um, I, you know, we don't obviously recommend a lot of Arizona Coyotes, but oh, we don't? Hayton, well, you do, but Hayton's <laughs> recently found himself moving up to the top line with Clayton Keller and uh, Biebs' boy Nick Schmaltz and Hayton's been on a bit of a heater as of late. In his last seven games he's got three goals, five assists and eight points, 18 shots on goal over that stretch. So uh, he's been playing really well and and kind of like McTavish, right? High pedigree, finally getting an opportunity on the top line with uh, some good players. Obviously similar situations too with both those teams being pretty bad. Although I do have a little bit more faith in, in the Ducks top line with Troy Terry than I do with the Coyotes. But those are three names. D, I know you had a couple other names that kind of interested you as well in the forward position. Yeah, trade target, uh, Matt Boldy. I, you know, we love Boldy. Yeah. I, we Down all, show. or at least, you know, we thought he was um, due for some regression just in the sense that the 39 points he put up in the 47 games last year were kind of on the back of some juicy shooting percentages. So, uh, you know, we're hoping that he could offset that with some additional ice time and, you know, just improving as uh, a 21-year-old former 12th overall pick, uh, like you might expect. And uh, for me, like the underlying signs are really good. He's still shooting the puck a ton. He's getting more and more ice time. Um, and obviously, like he just hasn't been getting or getting the highest quality of teammates that he possibly could in Minnesota so far this season. So uh, I think he'll be continue to be a reliable goal scorer the rest of the way and still a guy that I think will be a stud in, uh, within a few years' time and, and someone that if he can jump up and see some time with Kaprizov, um, his numbers could really take off. Uh, Sam Steele is another one just really seems to be locking down that top line mm-hmm. uh, center role with Kaprizov and Zuccarello. So he's one that, that definitely to watch. Shot volume hasn't quite been there, but he seems like he's been uh, or is a really effective playmaker in that role. So the assists could be pretty steady for Steele the rest of the way. Uh, and then a couple of deeper cuts here, really just deep league targets. Uh, Can I just quickly jump yeah. on Matt Boldy? Uh, things have been a lot better too since Ryan Hartman came back and he's been on that line. That line is... Um Scoring chances has definitely gone up in that role. It's been a bit of an issue early in the season, you know, trying to adapt without uh, Kevin Fiala. They were kind of rotating who was playing on that line. Didn't really have an answer with Ryan Hartman there. The the scoring chances expected goals has gone up for them. So you'd expect Matt Boldy to continue to play a little bit better here in the second half. Yeah. And then just uh, a couple, like I said, really deep league targets, maybe dynasty leagues, keeper leagues if you want to pick these guys up or just throw them on your watch list and standard leagues. But Wyatt Johnston. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Really, like, just a really good young player for the Dallas Stars is just locking down minutes on a team that he wasn't even supposed to make, was supposed to be going back to junior this year. So he's just 19 years old, currently on what we're calling the second line in Dallas with Jamie Benn and Mason Marchment. Rupe Hintz is currently injured, which is kind of, as, as a Wyatt truther, what I was 
not hoping for, but interesting to see how the lines would shake out if Hintz did suffer an injury. It's Sagan that got the jump up with Robertson and Pavelski right now, but obviously a ton of upside if Johnson can fight his way up the lineup a little bit further. Things started to shift a little bit even when Hintz was injured, or healthy, excuse me, uh, with the Wyatt-Johnston line playing a little bit more ice time than the Tyler Segan line. Dallas, uh, the third line there, what was the third line with Johnson, really kind of started to solidify themselves as the Stars' second line with the Tyler Segan and whoever the hell he was playing with, Ty Delandria, mm-hmm. Dennis Curry. Yeah, whoever it was, um, ended up being kind of more of their third line. So even when Hintz comes back, I still think that the minutes will be uh, very valuable for, for Wyatt Johnson moving forward and playing um, on a line with Jamie Benn and Mason Marchman. He's been quite effective. Yeah, so again, standard size league, you might not get a whole lot out of him this year and uh, wouldn't recommend him in, in redraft leagues, but dynasty keeper leagues, like I, I really think this is going to be a key piece of their team for years to come as they continue to get older, right? You got Pavelski, Sagan, Ben, obviously all on the decline. I mean, Pavelski refuses to decline in production at all, but uh, old players that you know should kind of be passing off the torch within the next few years. So it might not happen this year for Wyatt Johnson he's just 19 years old but certainly seems like he could be a pretty core piece of what should be a really good team over the next few seasons 124 points in junior last year that's stuff that translates even into you know something so yeah and then uh Uh, decent this is shout out 68 games this is a shout out to Brock you were definitely on this guy first uh Brock but Kirill Marchenko yeah um just scores goals apparently that's all he does does not have an assist on this on the season but he does have nine goals in 17 games for Columbus since being called up uh baby Kutra. baby Kutra. Yeah. he's shooting 32 percent so obviously you know that's going to drop off a bit but he's playing just 12 minutes a night so a ton a ton of room for that ice time to grow on the Blue Jackets team and they have no reason not to give this guy more ice as the season unfolds really productive player in the K was really productive I believe was the leading goal scorer in the AHL at the time of his call up this season um, so yeah, just definitely one to watch. He's buried on their fourth line right now, but he just keeps scoring goals, second power play unit. So yeah, definitely watch list them in standard leagues. Um, and just, you know, keep an eye on him. Cause if he moves up in ice time, like I think he could be a real weapon on that team. It's so interesting to me because it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot preventing him from moving up, yeah, so but they just weird. kind of refuse to do it. Um, but yeah, he kind of had his coming out party the other, uh, last week, eight shots on goal, scored a hat trick, scored a shootout goal as well. A uh, lot of flair, a lot of talent, really good hockey player. Uh, seems to be kind of locked down on the fourth line with Cole Sillinger for whatever reason. But, um, you know, I think he could certainly find himself moving up the lineup here as we move into the second half of the season. And if, if his numbers in the KHL or his numbers in the AHL are any indication, uh, Marchenko should be in for a pretty solid second half. So definitely somebody I know I texted you guys right when he got called up. And I said, I'm going to give you guys an equal chance to go pick him up in your keeper league. And D, I think you won the race. He did. and uh, Dropped him. Dropped him. And then he scored a hat trick and you were able to get him back. I picked him back up. Uh, in the middle of the hat trick game, I picked him up and after the second goal, <laughs> stashed him on the bench, and then he he got the hattie for fun. He has nine goals in his last fourteen games, playing um un, you know under thirteen minutes a night. So really, really um, efficient production. Not something that you think is entirely sustainable, but it will be. Um, if you know he gets upwards to 15, 16 minutes a night, you're talking about a little bit of a better uh, performance. All right, Peebs, it's been a minute since we heard from you. Let's hear from your breakout defenseman of the second half. See, this one I'm a lot more confident with than my forward. I will admit that. Um, but uh, Justin Falk, a second-half superstar last year out in uh, St. Louis, currently doesn't look like he's having that great of a year. Six goals, 16 assists for 22 points in 42 games, but 106 shots on goal for my boy Justin which puts him 13th in the NHL among defensemen for shots on goal. We love to see that. We know that that creates productivity. 
And uh, it's someone who I think you can target for a lot less than he's going to bring you um, in the second half. You could likely move one of your lower-end defensemen or someone who's a little hot right now, and you should be able to acquire Justin Falk. This is someone who surprisingly last season ranked fifth in the NHL among defensemen and goals. Uh, I, I know a lot of people, if they were given that trivia question, would not be able to even even think that he was up there. And he then, absolutely caught fire. Then last that's year. what it is, and that's what I'm kind of banking on this year. Um, so far this season, we've seen St. Louis kind of just be dog shit, um, to, to say the least, uh, from goaltending all the way up. It's putting it lightly. But it is a team that we've seen have success throughout an 82-game season. They kind of did a little bit less of this last year, but they, they in the end, they pulled it together. They're a playoff force, and I, I think that they're a team that can slide in the playoffs this year, and if it does happen, a lot of it has to come through an offensive talent like Justin Falk. He's now on their first power play. We've seen Jordan Kyrie really bring his game back to where it was recently. Um, we've seen some Robert Thomas just being, them, yeah. being Robert Thomas again, and these are things that are going to help Falk. Um, as mentioned, someone who he could probably get with a late late pick or with a late late option on your team one of your one of your lower end ones and uh and someone who's gonna give you top 20 shot production and then like we saw last year just elite defensive scoring uh goal options so i really like falk here um there's no reason why he shouldn't continue to have or why he shouldn't have a better year than what he's already what he's already started with six goals he's still among the higher end of defensemen um as far as goal scoring goes and he's still on pace for 12 on the year which is uh which would still rank him in the top top 20 on the year so um i think falk's a, a sneaky little option here and someone i could see breaking out yet again and i know last year i absolutely wrote him all fantasy playoffs well with no with no tory krug yeah uh, he obviously is kind of just the alpha male on that blue line now um and yeah if he finishes anything like he did last year um i, I think like overall he finished as like defenseman one last year or close to it like obviously not McCarr and, and Yossi, like but he was week. yeah so in his last 17 games last year he had eight goals 10 assists 18 points he shot 19 yeah. percent he's on an absolute heater down the stretch but i I mean, he's just a guy show that's he's capable of it. Yeah, yeah, he shoots so much, and he plays an absolute shit ton. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty good show. That's a team that should score more goals than they have been scoring. Um, and, yeah, he, he was awesome uh, last year. And I think if, yeah, like if, if, you know, the trend continues and he's a second half of the season player, maybe he, he just does the exact same thing for you again this year. That'd be really cool if he could do that. And then we could just like tell people every year, hey, guys, it's game 41. Justin Falk's about to pop off. And then just boom. It's almost like science. Yeah. yeah. Uh, D, who's your breakout defenseman for the second half of the season? Thomas Chaboy Chabot. Um, not really a whole lot of forecasting to this one, but <laughs> rather just trying to take advantage of the fact that uh, Chabot's season totals are still a bit diluted by a slow start. He's got 22 points in 35 games on the year, but since the beginning of the season, or, or sorry, since beginning of the season with just five points in his opening 13 games, uh, he has been one of the most consistent blue liners in fantasy hockey. He's racked up five goals, 12 assists for 17 points in his last 22 games. So uh, the Sens, they boast one of the best power plays in the league this season. It's the main reason why I like Chabot to continue with his recent run of form and really cement himself as a top 10 fantasy G-man over the second half of the season. 11 of his 22 points this season have come on the power play as he quarterbacks the league's sixth best power play unit. The Senators generate a ton of offense. Uh, and with their young nucleus of offensive talent are seemingly just improving every single week. The power play is operating at a 31% clip since the start of December, the best in the league, uh, and doesn't show any signs of slowing down anytime soon. Debrinkat obviously has proven to be just as effective for the Sens. Stutzel, Batherson, Kachuk have all taken their games to another level this season. Uh, and keep in mind, this is a team that will be getting another key offensive weapon back in the coming weeks in Josh Norris, which should further solidify Ottawa's top six and give a small boost to Jabot's upside and production at 5v5 
that as well. So really absolutely no threat to Jabot's ice time. He's currently over 26 minutes a night, just as he's been each of the last few seasons or for a spot atop the top power play unit. So um, should just continue to be a very lucrative role for him the rest of the season. There's no reason to expect his recent form to waver at all. Uh, so I just think by now before it's too late uh, and people really catch on and just to how solid he's been this year. Yeah, over the last 25 games, the Senators, um, based on my rankings, are the number one power play in the NHL. I believe they're third in, in actual goals four per 60 on the power play and first in the NHL in expected goals four per 60. Uh, so definitely a unit that, that's heating up, definitely a unit that'll help um, to get Josh Norris back. He's an absolutely integral part of that top power play unit. So that'll help. Um, but yeah, he, he's he's been great. You know, again, slow start like you mentioned, but he's been you know, really, really solid for the last, you know, month or two. And uh, I think that that whole, the team as a whole, I still think that there's, oh, there's some untapped potential there. there. Yeah, there's a lot. And I think uh, getting Josh Norris back will help a lot, right? I mean, Shane Pinto has been, you know, holding down the four okay on that second line, but what a difference. He's probably their Josh bad. Norris I mean, and Tim Stutzel, yeah. one, two down the middle is incredible. Batherson to bring out, if they can get that secondary scoring going uh, as well. That, that's still a team that I think is, is going to be extremely dangerous here in the second half. And um, Josh Norris, I think, will be a huge boost. And obviously Thomas Shabbat. Uh, this one's a little bit fun for me. I think, you know, people will be excited to hear this. I think Marit Sider is a second half breakout here. Just maybe not a breakout because we already saw his breakout last year, but just kind of a breakout in comparison to what he did in the first half of the season. He had four assists the other night against Winnipeg. He scored again tonight against Toronto. The shot volume is really, really starting to bounce back. Uh, his minutes are starting to bounce back. 24, 23 minutes a night consistently again. I think that Moritz Sider is somebody that could have a much better second half and I still think is a pretty good buy-low candidate. But my main man is Brett Pesci. Brett Pesci is a guy that I play almost every single night on DraftKings. Tonight, he scored two more goals, which is just terrific. Doubled his goal total on the season. The shot volume has been really, really steady. He's got games where he's got seven shots. Uh, usually hovers around two. They recently shuffled their power play units up as well. You don't really know which one's PP1 so or which one's PP2. Um, but regardless, he seems to be on the unit with the better forwards, which is all you can really ask for as a defenseman on the power play. So Brett Pesci is somebody, if he can continue to hold down that role, he's been you know on the second power play unit throughout the entire season, but now he's the one with Teravine and Aho, Jarvis, and Pacioretty, where, Net, where uh, Burns is with Netchas and Svechnikov. So it's hard to say exactly which one's PP1 and which one's PP2, but the one thing that you can say for certain is that both of those units are equally good and are going to see an even amount of minutes. And I really feel good about Brett Pesci's uh, potential if he's playing on a power play unit with Jarvis, Pacioretty, Aho. Um, should be good things to come there. So like I said, he's been heating up as of late. Seven assists in his last nine games coming into tonight. He had two goals again tonight. So that gives him nine points in his last 10. The shot volume is pretty reliable. The minutes are massive. Him and Brady Shea are a terrific, terrific deep pair, usually around 23, 24 minutes a night. So I like Brett Pesci a lot heading into the second half of the season. Without any further ado, let's keep it rolling here. Who's your breakout goalie for the second half of the season? Uh, I, I, I was a lot more confident going in with him tonight uh, before the goalie in front of him just pitched a, I believe, shutout yes, against did. Boston. Uh, dear God. But um, I had, I have and, and had Philip Grubauer out in Seattle. Um this uh, this one kind of has a lot of a lot of flair behind it. Um, one being the contract, another being the team, and the third being Martin Jones. Um, Seattle has an offense; they have a defense. Uh, they just don't have any. <laughs> they have an offense. Yeah, they have a defense. Yeah, they just don't have any goaltending whatsoever. So uh, they pay for it though. Like they 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 pay a ton of money for it, and they really don't get it. Uh, Martin Jones is tied 
for third in the NHL and wins right now, um, which just goes to show how much of a testament uh, or just a giant testament to Seattle as a whole this year, considering he's been absolutely terrible with an 896 save percentage. But during that time, Philip Gru- <laughs> during that time, Philip Grubauer has been injured and uh and and we've seen for over a year and a half him struggle so that that's maybe this could be stupid and he'll just continue to struggle but they are still at the end of the day paying him six million dollars a year to struggle and they are going to get him out there as much as they can to make sure that that's at least an investment that pays off a tiny bit one thing that i do really like for him that i mentioned is the team in front of him as far as goals per game goes seattle is third in the nhl right now which bodes well for any goaltender but they're also fourth in the nhl for shots on goal allowed which also bodes incredibly well for any goaltender so the two stats that you want your team to kind of dominate for when you're looking for a fantasy hockey netminder seattle does that which is kind of crazy that both their starters have a below 900 save percentage when you have this this much good going on in front of them. It's like, what would happen if this team had a Shesterkin? I don't think they'd ever lose, and they got in the league two years ago. Um, Grubauer, we've talked about it many times. He's a career above uh, 9-10 save percentage guy, even with these last terrible couple years. He does have something in there, and most times it used to always be, oh, the team in front of him is great. He's just putting up great numbers. But this team is realistic. This is a, it's a good hockey team. So they yeah, are, uh, uh, they're a top 10 defensive team, which yeah. which bodes really well. They do a good job of protecting their goalies. I think that's top 10 know, offensive. And they've been pretty solid offensively. Uh, Matty Bernier's breakout has been huge. It's really helped fuel that offense, which is, is great to see. Um, and Grubauer, you know, by and large, has been pretty decent, right? I mean, he had another his last hor- start was nice. He had another horrible October, but then in his last, you know, ten games, four and six, eight ninety two save percentage. So that's an improvement on what we've seen from him in the past, and that's with one game where he gave up, you know, three goals on five shots. You take that out of the mix, he's he's a little bit better. He's above nine hundred, which is really all you need. Um, we talked about it with with Phoenix Coffee, right? I said this is one of the best defensive teams in hockey. If he just be can just be decent. He can win a lot of games. And the same thing goes for Grubauer. The same thing goes for Martin Jones. You've seen it already with Martin Jones. So, yeah, um, yeah they're paying this man a big ticket. Even and I if think- they give him like a 50-50, like, I'm kind of okay with that because you got to think Grubauer is going to get, at the moment, protected starts. Maybe not protected, but he's going to get the easier of the matchups because they trust Jones. They're trying to work him back from the from the injury. And I, I think if he's getting 50-50 with how shitty goalies are this year, you could maybe justify it. I mean, I, I know I paid a big ticket for Phoenix Copley this morning off D. Um, and... Uh, and, you know, now I'm, uh, I'm all for just kind of getting any goal you can. That is decent. Martin Jones is just terrible, too. So, He's so bad. I mean, he, put, he, just he wins shut, every game. He shut out the Bruins today, though, so I don't know. Maybe he is just completely back. He's been playing that's, better that's of late, too. for sure. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you guys nailed it. Like, the, the Kraken tend to, you know, make the goaltender's job pretty easy. So, um, yeah, Jones hasn't been playing that spectacularly, though. And, and certainly, I think there's plenty of room for Grubauer. Um, to, to wrestle that job away or at least wrestle a, a good amount of starts away. Because, yeah, to, to your point, Biebs, it's exactly what the front office wants, even if it's not actually, you know, getting some good utilization of that contract, but just making it a movable piece. Because yeah. right now, um, hey, I think NHL even if worthy. I think even if you retain 50% of that contract with the term on it, uh, you're really not going to have any suitors. Maybe the Maple Leafs. Yeah, like Matt Murray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Also, that's back-to-back shoutouts for uh, But, yeah, <laughs> also, this is a guy who had a 921 save percentage in, like, what, 910 seasons before coming to Seattle and yeah. what's been a, so it's, it's it's a real there. enigma in terms of why he struggled so much um 
So yeah, I, you know, I, I would like to see him get more work and, and see if he can kind of get back to his best self because his best self is, is miles better than, than what we've seen from Martin Jones, not just in recent times, but even when Martin Jones yeah. was great, like it was, it was more so because he played for a good Sharks team um, and got really good goal support. So I'm right with you on that one. My pick uh, is, of course, my darling, Philip Gustafson. Um, obviously, there's, there's a lot of guesswork when it comes to predicting a breakout netminder as we are essentially saying which backup we think is most likely to take over a starting job in the second half of the season. And if I'm applying that logic, I can't go with anything else other than my darling, Philip Gustafson. So uh, still available in 56% of leagues, despite making it quite clear that this is no longer a starter backup situation in Minnesota. We have a clear 1A and 1B. They are splitting starts to a T. And when given the chance to play this season from a fantasy perspective, Gustafson has been one of the best goalies in the league. His 923 save percentage ties him for second in the NHL with Connor Hellebuck trailing only Linus Allmark. Uh, been a bit unfortunate to manage just a 9-6-1 record despite that 9-23 save percentage and a 2.23 goals against average as the Wild have not been able to provide him with the, quite the same goal support as Fleury has gotten this season. Um, but yeah, Gustafson's played fantastic. He's just 24 years old um, and they have every reason to try and get him more starts and he's just flat out outplayed Fleury to this point in the season. Fleury has played a lot better of late after horrendous start to the season. Uh, he certainly rebounded enough to at least not lose uh, his grip on the job entirely. But he has been, like I said, just straight up outplayed by Gus to this point. His 903 save percentage doesn't even come close to what Gustafson's been able to put up so far. Uh, but still, even at 38 years old, his track record as a Hall of Fame goaltender and one of the most reliable backstops of our generation, it still carries a lot of weight. And Gus is going to have to continue to drastically outperform him if he wants to turn this 1B role into a solidified number one. So it's far from a sure thing. But to me, I like the Wild a lot. I think the upside is just so huge here if we can get a goalie that's going to give you good splits. Uh, starting games for them so definitely worth taking a swing on for me um, and ideally if you have flurry you can go out and get Gustafson and, and maybe vice versa as well yeah we we've talked about Gus a shitload lately and and the one thing that I always go back to is just how good this team is defensively right top five defensive team in the NHL they're going to continue you know this has been their the way they've played hockey for a few years now they're very very structured they're very solid defensively they do a great job protecting their goaltender so whether it's Gus whether it's Fleury I think both are going to be very good moving forward but Gus has been absolutely dominant absolutely lights out uh for the better part of like basically two months right like I mean this is not anything new this has been going on for a while his own percentage still makes absolutely zero sense uh tonight the Wild are out shooting the Islanders at the moment 30 to 20 just another example of just how you know dominant they are with the with possession and, and how much they protect their goalie so far, uh, he's stopped 19 of 20 shots. So another solid start again tonight. It's just kind of become uh, clockwork for him at this point. Uh, if we're talking, I guess breakout too. Um, we we said that this isn't the same thing as as in the preseason when we're trying to identify like a a value pick or, or anything like that. Somebody that's going to outperform what they did in the first half. I think yeah. one name you could certainly look to is Frederick Anderson, <laughs> uh, playing on basically one of the best teams in the NHL. Yeah. They they are amazing. He barely played in the first half. Um, I think that obviously now that he's back, you know the buy low window has closed but for anybody that did buy low on him while they had the time over the last couple months um, I think there's a lot of of good things coming for Frederick Anderson owners moving forward Uh, but my breakout second half goalie is Jeremy Swayman Um, and we've kind of already seen it 4-0-2 with a 9-26 save percentage in his last six starts the Bruins obviously one of the most dominant teams in the NHL like they literally are on pace to be historically good Uh, 
I, I think that part of it is, is that they've really shown, regardless of how amazing Linus Allmerich has been, and like let's not let's not kid ourselves, he's been amazing. Um, they still have given quite a few starts to Jeremy Swayman. They're basically splitting this this fifty fifty still. Which is what they did last year, yeah. And, and I think that that's something that's going to continue. And Jeremy Swayman has been every bit as good as Allmerich as of late. So yeah, definitely some struggles early on. But do you think they're thinking of last year's playoffs when Allmerich absolutely? blew up and it's hey what happens you know maybe maybe that's in the back of their head yeah, maybe I, that's why Swayman's getting this time it's I think just, at this you know I think it's just it's kind scary. of the way the NHL is now right yeah. you're just trying to and, and I think it's hurt is what they're thinking it's different if it's like Andre Vasilevsky and Brian Elliott right like they know they've got two really good goalies they can keep them both fresh by playing both of them and they're just so good that it really doesn't seem to matter tonight is a rare rare loss for them um and, and, you know, Linus Allmark got the L tonight, so you're probably going to see Jeremy Swayman in their next start. And I think that just given how good this team is, he can really catch fire and be a huge piece for you moving forward. And, and I still think that you can probably buy fairly low on him because I think people are are still thinking that this is strictly Linus Allmark's team at the moment. And, I mean, when you look at Linus Allmark's numbers, it's a pretty good uh, indication as to why people might be thinking that. But Swayman still, to, to his... Um, He's only 70% owned, so he's still available in 30% of leagues. I yeah. think he should be picked up. I think he should be very close to 100% owned because when he gets a start, he's probably winning. He hasn't lost in regulation in six straight games. So uh, I like Jeremy Swayman here in the second half. Yeah, I, I think he's clearly their goaltender of the future. That's what they want, right? And that's why they were force-feeding him starts last year when we kind of expected Allmark to be the starter and didn't really play out that way. So, yeah, I, I think that's going to continue to be the case. And even like like Beebs alluded to, even if it's just to keep Allmark fresh, um, for the postseason, but yeah, if you got a guy that can you know start thirty games for you or more, and you know ideally perform at a level pretty close to your starter, then I, I you know why not? And again, obviously, this is a guy that they look at look to as you know their goalie of the future. He's still just twenty four years old, um, and he's been pretty solid all things considered, aside from a shaky start to this season in his NHL career. So yeah, totally with you on that one. Because even if he's starting half the games, he'll be a real asset. Let's just roll right into the busts here again. This is more. I guess sell high candidates than anything. Yeah. It's not people that we think are going to be shit moving forward, but maybe just kind of you could probably sell them and uh, based on their first half performance and get a a great return. So D, we were just you were just talking. Let's just roll back with you here. Who's your uh, bust forward for or sell high forward for the second half of the season? Yeah, I'm sure any loyal listeners probably would have been able to guess that one of us were going to talk about this guy, but boy, Bo Horvat is definitely someone that uh, needs to be brought up here. Uh, and yeah, if you've been listening to the show for a few years, there's probably not a whole lot of explaining I need to do. Uh, we've been calling for Bo to cool off and fall back down to earth for at least three months now. He's enjoying a career year, uh, but not thanks to, you know, a bunch of extra shots or a new larger role on, on the team, but rather, uh, it's all thanks to an incredibly balloon shooting percentage of 24.4%. Super basic principle that all of our listeners have heard many times before, but shooting nearly double your career shooting percentage, never going to be sustainable over a large sample size. He currently boasts a whopping 29 goals to go with 16 assists for 45 points in 40 games this season. If he were shooting in line with his career averages, that stat line would look more like 16 goals and 31 points in 40 games. And you'd probably be able to find him on the wire and non-banger leagues, considering the fact that he's a straight center. So uh, yeah, I think throwing the fact that there is a very real possibility of him getting traded this season, 
uh, and his fantasy outlook gets even more bleak. Horvat plays just under 21 minutes a night for the Canucks. His ice time and role would have to reduce. I'm not going to say it should reduce. It will reduce if he's traded to a competing team. There are too many red flags here to count, uh, and I would certainly be looking to trade Horvat as soon as possible if I did have him because it's hard to imagine his fantasy value ever being higher than it is right now. No goals on four shots tonight. Regression is setting in already. <laughs> um, he is third in the NHL in goals scored above expected at the moment. It's just an absolutely uh, outrageous season for him so far. He has been dynamite, and yeah, like he, he, you owe him nothing, or he owes you nothing at this point on your fantasy team. He has been absolutely fantastic for you so far, and if you can get any sort of good return for him, which there are definitely owners out there that are going to see that stat line and give up a hefty amount. And there's ones that are thinking the opposite either, like he's going to get traded and and, and, and do better. Yeah, yeah. you got to know your leagues, got to know who to go after. But you know, if he ended up like going to somebody like Carolina and, and replacing Paul Stastny on that line with Netchas and Svechnikov, like that's maybe the one spot you could see him going and being like, okay, this might still be yeah. okay. But even but then, he's seeing less power play time and he's playing three less minutes a night. There's just probably. still no way he can yeah. match what he did in the first half. There's and just I just no think way. his reputation as a really solid two-way hockey player is just going to result in him being utilized in more of those defensive situations if the, he ends up on a competing the only team. The only team that, that might not be the case is Carolina because yeah. obviously they have Jordan Stahl. Yeah. So he might still be, like, that's like the one perfect landing spot where it just But even then, happen. like, but he's yeah. not the number one center on that team. So No, he's not. Most, yeah, most likely not. Yeah. Like, Put him on Colorado, yeah, too. 1A, 1B. But, Give him 20 minutes. Yeah, or that, too. But, like... There's just no way he matches what he did. And yeah. I, if I owned him in a fantasy league, which I do not, I wish I had, um, I would be selling high on this man. Plus, you're not banking on the 10%, 5% chance he does get to one of those teams. It is worth mentioning that we have been banging this drum here for like a month and a half probably. It really drum. hasn't cooled down Carried yet. Over. So it's yeah. it, it's got, it's coming eventually. So, uh, Beebs, who's your second half bust? Yeah, I hate to, uh, hate to rip on someone who grew up so close to us, but it's Travis Konechny out in Philadelphia. You might be sitting there going, this guy's ripping on Travis Konechny. Travis Konechny has 20 points in his last 10 games. Yes, he does. Uh, Travis Konechny is also top 10 in the NHL in goal scoring right now. 24 goals, 22 assists for 46 points across 36 games. Travis Konechny, though, is also slapping us in the face with those ridiculous shot percentage totals, which is, I'm just going to go back to and basically replay what D just said for Borho. Bo Horvat, but Konechny is currently shooting 20.3% on the season. And if you put together his last two seasons, combined shooting percentages, you add them together, and he is still 3% below that. Uh, basically, <laughs> basically to say this is not something that he realistically should sustain or will sustain. I mentioned it, 20 points in his last 10 games. Makes his numbers look absolutely incredible and makes it look like you can deal him pretty much immediately for something better. The reason... I, I, the reason I don't like connecting is not necessarily himself as a player or what he does. It's the people around him. We've kind of we've kind of talked about it with Tippett. Um, but if we're bringing up guys like Tippett being his best winger, I'm not that excited. And I think that I could get someone in a much better lineup. Philadelphia currently ranks 26th in the NHL in goals with 2.83 per game. That means that there's not that many points to go around. And even worse, they currently have the 29th best power play in the league which, in other words, is the third worst power play in the league and converts at 16.5%. There is a lot of issues in Philadelphia, and uh, and we've seen it with the crazy head coach. We loved Kevin Hayes earlier. <laughs> crazy in the, head coach. Yeah, we loved Kevin Hayes earlier in the year. He was putting up a point per game, and then we watched him get healthy scratched a few days later, and 
now it's like, okay, that's why he's 20% in all fantasy leagues. Travis Konechny, not to say he will become that guy, but what's stopping a Joel Farabee from getting in the doghouse or someone around there from getting in the doghouse? And when that does happen, it only hurts Konechny's value. I think that you can trade him right now for prime real estate. Yeah. Um, and that's mostly why he's here. I do think, you know, he's having a career year, but he also has tied his career high in goals 36 games into the year. Yeah. So to expect him to score 55 goals like he's on pace for is a bit bonkers. So, sorry, what he's on pace for across an 82-game season. He's missed a couple games, but that is a bit bonkers and not something that I ever think Travis Konechny could do. So I would be looking to move him. It's kind of like Bo Horvat, where you don't owe him very much. You likely got him into your draft. And well, I he think, really wasn't even really doing that much, yeah. and now all of a sudden he's crazy. It is worth mentioning like how low scoring they've been throughout the season, but during his 10-game stretch where he has been just white hot, they actually lead the NHL in goals, which is bonkers. Like They've definitely so they got him were probably like 30 exactly, yeah. before this. First in the NHL in goals in, in each team's ten, last 10 games. Um, but in those 10 games, you said 20 points. 12 of those are goals. He's shot 37.5%. I talk about this man. <laughs> on uh, my DFS show every day because I just like I don't know what to do with him because he one he's expensive on DraftKings and two he's scoring every single night but that line their underlying numbers are atrocious yeah, it's, it's like just like Nick it Suzuki makes, and Cole Caulfield it, all over again it just makes no sense to me so yeah. I mean he's certainly going to cool down he has to eventually but like even if you take it pack back further than his uh, his last ten games I think it was I tweeted it out the other day he has got points in twenty two of his last twenty five and I think he's got points in each of his last two games since so he's got points in twenty four of his last twenty seven games over that stretch he has twenty goals thirty seven points he's been insane insane you can definitely get a big return here and i just don't know just like some examples like i think if you swing for the fences you can probably start going after hints who's hurt right now yep. or amika zibanejad you know two guys that carry straight center eligibility if you have the positional flexibility Maybe i think you could cash in someone with yeah with higher upside he sure's a good call um and then you know if we're looking at wingers like any of the ottawa boys brady kachuk um, Stutzel obviously carries center eligibility as well. Batherson, Debrincat, I, I would probably look to move um, certainly the first two and, and probably the second two as well. And you could probably get like Batherson or Debrincat plus at this point. Hell, um, give me Josh Norris plus. Yeah, Josh Norris. There was another one I, I saw here. Uh, Netchass is another one, I think. Again, you could probably get Netchass plus for him. And I think Netchass will be a much more reliable point per game player the rest yeah. of the season. So, yeah, I think that's a, a really solid call, Beeps. Even Meyer, you could try yeah. to do straight I up. hated doing it because I, I, I do love the breakout. It's something we've loved on the podcast for a guy who's on pace for over 200 yeah. shots. But He shot 7% last year, too. <laughs> so, it's like, yeah, he's got a career 12.5% shooting percentage. But it's also a guy that we just saw go cold for basically 80 games last year. So, could happen again. Uh, seventh currently in the NHL in goal scored above expected. Okay. Now, take this next one kind of with a grain of salt. Hear me out. But my second half bust or sell high is Tage Thompson. Uh, currently has the highest goals scored above expected in the NHL. Has the highest on a shooting percentage in the NHL, basically. Uh, my reason here is we saw NHL.com. They did a second half fantasy draft the other day. And they somebody, I'm not sure who it was, uh, drafted Tage Thompson third overall. Uh, <laughs> ahead of like Leon Dreisaitl. And, and other players like that. And Tage has been awesome. Don't get me wrong. He he looks dynamite. He, sometimes he looks like Mario Lemieux, which is just insane. Like, he has been great. I absolutely love the player. I love what he's done thus far. The numbers are absolutely insane. But Tage or Leon? 18% shooting percentage. 15.6% on a shooting percentage. It, it, they're, it, they're alarming rates. And... You know, this is kind of the same conversation we had early in the season with Eric Carlson. I'm not trading him for, for just to get rid of him because I'm worried about potential regression. 
I'm shooting for the moon. And, you know, I'm shooting for a Leon Dreisaitl Austin and, Matthews. And, and Austin Matthews. Players like that because, if, if you know, NHL.com is releasing something that's saying that, that he's going ahead of Leon. People are thinking, like, that he's yeah. better than Leon. He's better than Austin Matthews and these other players moving forward, which if, there's, if there are people thinking about that, I want to take advantage of that. So I, I, I like Tage's upside the rest of the season. If, if we did a redraft right now, I'd be drafting Tage Thompson in the first round for sure. Yeah, but I, I probably I have him sixth or seventh. Yeah, to be exactly. Honest. But Which I don't there's think six or seven players I don't to think, trade for. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that there's you know there's a, there's a, a, a quite a few players that I would much rather have. And with his numbers, you can you know you can certainly make a case that he could be yeah. traded for for one of those top end players. So would you rather have him or Jason Robertson? Oh, it's so difficult because I think I think Jason Robertson's probably <laughs> due for some regression as well. I, I'd, I'd, I'd go. Tage. I'd probably Tage. Yeah, I'd go yeah. Tage. I'd I think go Tage. But... I think Tage is I, the only. I guess real tiebreaker would be depending on my roster. Like, do I need a winger or a center? But in a, in a vacuum, I think I would go Tage at the moment as well. Yeah. Um, just I, a little I, bit more reliable shot volume. I, I agree that there's you know certainly some regression coming here, but like counterpoint, he's kind of just like he's Austin Matthews and. So if we want to use that echelon of yep. player as a comparable, which a lot of people you know like to draw that connection this year, and it's it's hard not to. Uh, Matthews obviously last year in his career year shot seventeen percent over the course of the full year. Obviously scored sixty goals. His on ice shooting percentage was thirteen point nine percent. So for this elite level of player, it certainly is possible that they maintain these otherworldly shooting percentages, both on ice and personal, over the course of the season. Um, I do think it's still a bit of a career year and you know if he's going to maintain to produce at these levels he's going to need to shoot the puck more but he could play more than he is right now too like 19 10 it's a lot of ice but it's not the most ice that we see forwards get he could definitely be closer to you know 20 21 minutes a night so I agree but I I also will say there's probably three or four guys that I trade him for and that's about it I think the one thing that also just worries me a little bit maybe Makar too is when you look at it like but you could do well you can get Makar plus I think so yeah and you, he's got two games with six points. He's got two games with four points. I mean, uh, in a couple games, he's gone just absolutely bonkers, which is has really inflated his totals, which makes him, you know, obviously when you just look at the straight totals, it's very appealing. But, like, obviously you can't just take away a six-point game. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But, you know, if he if he ends that game with three points, it just it doesn't look quite as good. Like, his overall totals are super appealing, but he's had, you know, a couple games where he's just like, oh, I'm playing the, the Red Wings tonight. I'm going to just demolish you guys for six. Oh, we're playing the Blue Jackets tonight. I'm going to demolish you guys for five goals. You know, we're playing the Canadians tonight. I'm going to demolish you guys for four He's points. done it against some of the best teams, too. Like, he, to be honest, Tage has frustrated me in DFS because I can't seem to hit. On I his, can't either. On I, never, I never do either. So, I think that maybe I'm taking my frustration out on him a little bit there. Yeah. But I just, I, like I said, I, when I, as soon as I saw him going ahead of Dreisaitl, I'm like, okay, hey, there's, something, there's something here that I think there's maybe a, a disconnect as yeah. to maybe just how good he is. Yeah. Like, he's very, very like good. Leon put up 55-55 last year. Exactly. So, I think there's a bit of a disconnect with just how good he actually is. And, and Tage might do that, but Leon... Yeah. Yeah, will exactly. probably do yeah. that, yeah. and that's the difference. Yeah, it's exactly. the thing that I find crazy is Leon hasn't slowed down, so it's not like we should be moving him down list. He is scoring a little bit less, but like <laughs> he's quite good. So, okay, yeah. who's your break? Very uh, So your bust or sell high defenseman for the second half? Uh, it is Tyson Barry. That's kind of a nice little segue talking about Leon and and, and nice. I guess Connor by uh, de facto. But uh, yeah, I, I think Barry is just that quintessential fantasy player whose value is just strictly tied to his usage on his team. Uh, of course, that being playing on the top power play unit with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Uh, and the problem is he has two very real threats to his position on said power play in Evan Bouchard and Darnell Nurse. 
Barry's ownership of the most lucrative spot a defensive can have in fantasy hockey uh, continues to make him an above average fantasy D man, but he's failed to completely capitalize on the upside that comes with skating on the league's most dangerous power play unit. I know when he went there, we certainly all expected um, for him to kind of reach heights we haven't seen from him before in terms of his county numbers. Obviously, you know, he's kind of been blessed everywhere he's played. He played with the Avalanche with McKinnon and Ranton on the power play, spent a couple years in Toronto, and for the most part took over the top spot there over Morgan Riley, uh, and then went to Edmonton. But yeah, I mean, I think we all agree that there's, a, you know, a, just a, a slightly different level to McDavid and Dreisaitl on playing on their power play unit. And obviously the results over the last few seasons speak to that. But he really hasn't been able to build off of, you know, um, those best seasons that he had with the Leafs um, and the Avalanche. And I just think that his name carries a lot of weight and people recognize the great situation he's in and just not realizing that his production would fall off a cliff should he ever obviously be relegated even just to the team's second unit. Um, and like I said, he's failed to flash the upside you would expect to come out of this role in over two and a half seasons now. So yeah, he will continue to be a serviceable, very good fantasy defenseman if he maintains his spot on the best power play in hockey. But I believe both Nurse and Bouchard, like I said, are a legitimate threat to take over his role in the top unit. And I also believe the actual upside here is substantially less for Barry in his current role uh, than what most people perceive it to be. So for those reasons, I would be actively shopping Tyson Barry right now um, just because I think that one, he doesn't have the upside that most people think he does. And, and two, uh, the floor is, is quite shaky right now. Yeah, I, it's, it's interesting because like I'm always kind of looking at him and I don't even know if I want to play him on DFS sometimes because it's like it's so tied to just are they going to score seven power play goals and he's going to you know factor in on one of those or and what's yeah he's just not shooting the puck a and lot he just either. doesn't shoot like he went through a stretch where he was shooting yep. the puck a lot um, and then he's just really kind of come back down to earth a little bit recently and uh, yeah like I I think that you know obviously anybody especially if you try to trade him maybe to an, uh, the McDavid or the Leon owner Zach Hyman owner even. Um, you know, maybe a little bit extra of a boost, try to get that stack going on your team. I think obviously that you could probably get a little bit more in return for uh, from that owner. But yeah, it's just, I don't know what to make of that team even as a whole right now. Like they're, they're so confusing. And uh, I like if I had Barry and I could move him for a more solidified piece, I think that I would definitely be yeah, looking to like do that. Just obviously I'm, I'm going off of the name I threw out earlier as, as a breakout or essentially just a bylaw for the second half. But I think you could get Shabbat and a little bit extra or maybe do a two for two and get Shabbat and a better player than whatever else you send back. You know what I mean? Like you can boost your forward and, and use Barry to basically, um, you know, get a defenseman of uh, even if his role changed, what we perceive to be equal value back and, and help you improve on your team elsewhere. Cause like I said, I just, I, I think that a lot of people still just see the situation he's in and, and think there's a lot of upside to it. And he just really hasn't taken advantage of it. It's been two and a half seasons now. So I'm done thinking that there's some point per game upside here. Yeah. Like even if you wanted to shoot for the stars, um, you know, maybe a Victor Hedman, if you threw in a bit of a sweetener, Victor still might not even one, need to, but yeah, Victor's just only got one goal in the season. The assist totals have been really strong for him uh, recently, but that's like the type of player that you could yeah. probably still look at right now. And you're right. Shabbat would be a, a perfect, perfect target. Um, even a, a Jacob Chikrin, somebody yep. like that. If Agreed. he ends up getting traded, I think that that's somebody I would move him for as well. So I like that one. Uh, Biebs, who's your second half bust slash sell high defenseman? Hate to do this one again because he's got Windsor ties, but uh, Brandon Montour out in Florida. Uh, this is a guy who currently is uh, seventh in the NHL in points among defensemen with seven goals, 27 assists, 59 penalty minutes, 13 power play points in 40 games, and 109 shots on goal. Montour is kind of a guy who came out of nowhere. Uh, I, I guess I'm a little mad at him because 
He has become what I thought Gustav Forsling would be before this year started uh, when I pre-called the Aaron Ekblad injury. But Aaron Ekblad is back, and Montour stayed on the top power play. So that's uh, that's why I think that you can hold a little bit of value with this guy. People are thinking that he still is kind of the same player as he was before the Ekblad injury. My thing is, I think that Florida is if, if they're going to change this power play up at all, they have been struggling all year, as we've you know everyone's heard. They're not the same team as last year. If they are going to change this power play up, it's not Ekblad who's going to be taking off that top unit. He is, you know, he's Aaron Ekblad. He's their guy. Montour showing some kind of scary signs lately, averaging 24 and a half minutes of ice across the year. But in his last seven games, he's actually only gotten over that mark once. Um, and those are the type of type of things that when we're looking. In future weeks, and if if this continues, 21 games in, if he's only getting over 24 24 minutes in three of those, that's incredibly alarming for someone who you could probably trade for right now for basically most of the league. Um, Defenseman? Yeah. Yeah. Just because people are going to buy it. If you're in a banger league, even better. That 59 penalty minutes, that's a nice little... It seems like he's slowed down and he still has 12 points in his last 13 games. Yeah, I was going to say, I even tried to like extrapolate, as we like to call it, just to make things look a little bit nicer for us. And even in the last 20, he has... 14 points so it's not even like I can like get that I guess it's the goal totals that have come down a little bit. that's absolutely it two goals in his last 20 shooting 4.7 percent but it's a guy who's still on pace for 200 plus shots so this is kind of the definition of I don't think you know I, I definitely want him on a fantasy roster but I just think you could get a lot more value and I think what he's done this year is what Ekblad's going to do throughout the year so it just I, I hate not to I hate to not have a number one defenseman on a team when I know I could trade him for a number one defenseman on a team that's probably arguably better probably has a better chance of staying on the power play and just someone to go after uh, Montour. We did see him put up 11 goals last year. It's quite impressive. Still out in the top 25 in defensive scoring, uh, goal scoring that is. But at the same time, he's kind of a stranger to, to assist. He's never scored more than 40 points. He's on pace uh, for nearly 70 this year. Yeah, so, this season just know. came out of nowhere compared yeah. to what he's done previously mm-hmm. for sure. Absolutely. It's- I just I've, I've kind of just given up on this team this year. Like I just think that Paul Maurice is just not getting the most out of this team, and like firing Andrew Burnett was just not a good idea. <laughs> it just like the the offense is just dried up here. Like outside of Matt Kachuk, this team is just not doing much. Like Ekblad even has just been so oh, bad. Not even like I, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even want either right now. It's just uh, yeah. No, I just think the secondary just well is going to dry up a little bit um, compared to what we saw in the first half, and I, I kind of want to get out there. Get out of the way of that before it happens. But no, this team is incredibly frustrating across the board. Do you have anything to add on? on? Uh, no, just like like Beeb said, I, I would be careful because, you know, I, I think if he continues he in this role, enough, he'll like, be good. Um, and to Beebs's point, he was really good at mi- limited minutes last year, 37 points while playing just 18 minutes. So um, not a big surprise that he's taken this step forward with the extra minutes. The big surprise is that the extra minutes actually came. Yeah. Um, and they've continued. And, and like you said, they've definitely fallen off, obviously, since Ekblad's come back from injury. So, yeah, it's an interesting one because, I mean, it's just straight up he's outplayed Ekblad this year. Like, he's out shooting him. He's, you know, and has getting pretty similar opportunity. But um, I do agree that it, it's hard to imagine um, him holding down a spot on the top power play unit the rest of the season, barring another Ekblad injury. So I, I think it's a really good call. Um, and to your guys' point, the depth scoring has just disappeared there this year. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I, I'm totally with it. I, I, I think I'm not so quick to think that he's going to get moved off that top power play unit just because he's been there the whole season. They've been kind of just dedicated to that two defensemen on the top unit thing. So 
He I, does I, have 13 power play points. So yeah, like, I think he's... Kind of working. I think he'll probably remain there for, you know, the majority of the season, if not the rest of the season, obviously barring a trade or anything that kind of shakes up that roster. But, I mean, he, it's, he's been there since pretty much day four, and he hasn't moved. Like, I think the first game he didn't start there, yeah. and then he... But if they do the, have to move a D, though, do you think they're moving... It'll definitely be him. or Ekblad. It'll That's definitely thing, be him. Yeah. Um, I, and, I, like I said, I, as much as I want to give up on this team as, as a whole, uh, and just, like, I, I'm a little concerned, I do still think that Aaron Ekblad probably is a pretty good buy-low candidate. Like, all things considered, he's still on that top power play unit he's still playing uh, a ton of ice time but if you just take a look at it like I mean he's got two goals two assists four points minus 15 in his last 15 games yeah, it's, both it's those ugly but he's playing the same game yeah against the Red Wings I played him on DraftKings so it's amazing um, he's over 23 <laughs> minutes a night like you know often playing 26 27 so I still think he's probably a decent by low but I don't know like I don't know what to make of this team anymore like you yeah. just kept saying like it's gonna get better it's gonna and it's just it's just not I yeah you don't see too many um first year head coaches not make it through the full season but I it's hard to imagine if things don't turn around that they don't make a change like you literally what didn't they set the record for points in a single season yeah, last well, it, year Andrew let them do a to a president's trophy, I, I, yeah, but and, not just a president's trophy, like 120 yeah, points yeah, like an and an unstoppable power play and you know obviously they made a trade but I. We, I think for the most part, we agree that they probably came out on top of that trade, moving Huberto and Uyghur. They probably miss Uyghur more than um, Huberto. Huberto, but I think that just more speaks to the lack of you know quality replacements they had on the blue line for the minutes that Uyghur was eating. So, yeah, I'm not writing off the team just yet because I do think it has a lot to do with coaching. Um, and, yeah, no one's really happy except for Matt Kachuk. Yeah, the Paul Maurice thing is just really what's slowing down. Yeah, 122 points last year, uh, 58 wins. My... Buy or sell high slash bust of the second half is Josh Morrissey of the Winnipeg Jets, Ooh. aka Josh Norrissey. Uh, to me, I think he's just not going to maintain a 10% shooting percentage or a 14% on ice shooting percentage. Uh, I was actually a little bit surprised to see that his shot volumes actually declined uh, compared to recent years, which is a little bit surprising for me. Obviously, I really, really like the role that he's been in. Uh, I really like what he's done this far. I really like Josh Morrissey, the player, but. It's just it's just those two rates, 10% shooting percentage, he's a career 6% shooter, uh, 14% on-ice shooting percentage is obviously extremely high. I do like the Jets, I think that they're a very good team, I just think that you can probably get quite a bit uh, for Josh Morrissey, and you know I, I think that the options that you can trade him for are a lot more reliable moving forward, but... Uh, I think in home leagues, like you could put a package together and get Makar. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. In home he has 46 athlete. points in 41 games. Yeah. He's been great. Uh, even, like, the shooting percentage has, has started to even dry up already, right? Like, I mean, he was red hot for a bit. He's only got two goals in his last 20 games, shooting 6.9% over that stretch. That's a little bit more what you would expect, kind of like a, a goal every 10 games from him, right? Finish the season round 10. No, yeah. kind of what he's done thus far. So, yeah, just, just scorching hot. Um, I think that a lot of people really like the Jets. I think a lot of people are very high on the Jets. I think especially, you know, you've got Nick Ehlers, Cole Perfetti, Blake Wheeler all returning to the lineup recently as well. So, I, I think that you could definitely put together a nice package. You just got to remember, this is a man who had a career-high 37 points. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. He's never played in this, this full-time power play one role as he is now. So, that's obviously the big difference. You can't really compare the two seasons the same because it's, they're not comparable. Yeah, he's, he's never, he's never played in this power play one exclusively before. So uh, it, it is kind of comparing apples to oranges, but all of a sudden to see uh, this drastic hike is a little bit wild because 
it's not just the power play production. The power play production has been great, right? But you're also seeing him 22 even strength assists so far this season. Last year in a whole season, he had 16. His previous career high was 18. So it's just been kind of an overall just drastic hike uh, in, in points across the board for Josh Morrissey. And to me, I, I do think that if you picked him up off the waiver wire, which he was probably where you got him or yep. very late yeah, in your drafts, um, you know, you're happy that you can probably trade him for, for almost any defenseman right now and, and, and get a pretty nice return. So, Again, I like Josh Morrissey. I wish him well. I hope he has a good season, rest of season. I do have stocks in him, and I am trying to move him. But, you know, I want to shoot for the moon because that's what you could probably get for him at the moment. Yeah. Uh, okay, last three goalies to talk about. Who do you guys think is going to fall off in the second half or you should sell high on at the moment? Let me guess, D. Uh, yeah. Pretty, Future Hall of Famer? Pretty obvious one here for me. It's Marc-Andre Fleury. Oh. It's, of course, the inverse to my selection as Gustafson as my breakout goalie. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to talk too much more about it. It's every reason that I like Gus in the second half is every reason why I don't like Flurry. Certainly the job appears to be trending in Gus's direction. I think if you are a Flurry owner, you have two ideal choices here. You can either trade Flurry or you can acquire Gus. So, uh, either way, if Gus is rostered, I would be talking to the Gus owner in your league because, um, you know, whichever piece you have, the other piece is that much more valuable to you than the rest of the league. You know, this is a very good team. So if you can shore up the net mining situation and, and basically just guarantee that you've got Minnesota starting goalie the rest of the year, we talked about how good they are defensively. So yeah, that's what I would be doing. I'd either be trying to trade flurry to the Gus owner, or I'd be trying to trade for Gus. So either way, if you have one of these guys, uh, get together with the, I guess, inverse owner in your league um, and work something out because it, it makes more sense for them to be whole and they're more valuable if you can ha- uh, stack them together. So I think Gus's ownership is a clear indication, though, that the general fantasy uh, public does not realize how much Flurry is at risk of losing the job. So I think it's a good time to move him. Yeah, I, I still, I'm not 100% on board with the, like, that they're, he's going to lose his job. Um, but I mean, if Gustafson continues to play the way that he has, like it'd be very difficult for them to not give him at least a couple more starts. Um, I do still think that you know by seasons, and we're still th- talking about this being closer to a fifty-fifty split. But to your point, if you can have Gustafson and trade, like you're going to get a decent return for Flurry. Yeah. Where Gustafson, you could get him for basically free and and trade Flurry and and get it. Uh, a huge return. If you have both of them, that's great too. But you could get a good return on Flurry and basically pick up his yeah. instant replacement. You know what I mean? So uh, I think that there's a lot to uh, a lot to trading Flurry right now. I love Gus. I, you know, I, I'm all on that. Uh, I do just want to point out one thing that's hilarious right now. Uh, I believe the Golden Knights scored on their own net, and the Panthers are currently leading one nothing without an official shot on oh. goal. So that's interesting. That that's fun. that's fun. One of those. Um, D or sorry, Beeps. Who is your? Uh, I thought you were gonna say the goalie got credited with the goal. I no, no, Nick Cousins. Nick Cousins has got it somehow. Mm. I don't obviously the last one to touch it, I suppose. And they just put. I didn't. I didn't see the Probably goal. Probably took but, the face off. Um, yeah, did not. They who have is no- it that almost scored? I, I shouldn't have even said this because it's terrible content. If I can't think of the goalie, but there was someone who almost scored a couple weeks ago. Just missed it. Linus Allmark almost scored, I believe. Um, it doesn't ring a bell, but we'll go with it just for the. Anyways, yeah, just we'll, for the listeners. We'll, sake. I'll, I'll I'll rack my brain here while we talk about Beebs' second half bust. Will I talk about Carter Hart? Because um, that's who I'm talking about. I uh, I decided to pick two flyers for my bust because what better team to pick on than one that's just obviously going to go into a tire fire for the last 41 games? 
Carter Hart currently 12-12 and 6 on the year with a 2.97 goals against average and a 907 save percentage. Kind of funny thing about Carter Hart is he started the year in, incredibly well. He went on a, a six-game winning streak. Looked like he was the next Vesna winner. Looked like everything was beautiful, sunshines and rainbows in Philadelphia. And then reality checked in. Uh, in his last 22 games, Carter Hart is 6-12-4 and four with an 889 save percentage. I don't know about you guys, but to me, I don't want that anywhere near my roster. But right now, I think you could uh, you could fool some people and trade him for something that you could have actually on your roster. Um, the reason that I did kind of go at this is because I, I personally traded him a few weeks ago, and then I played against the guy who I traded him to. Well, I traded him to D, D traded him to a guy, and then I won a week specifically because Carter Hart gave up six goals on Sunday. <laughs> That's amazing. And it was beautiful. <laughs> and just knowing that that would have been me on the other side – Made it that much better. Yep. Uh, I want nothing to do with Carter Hart. I never really have. It was just a, a kind of a, oh my God, 24-year-old workhorse. Let's see what it can do. And here we are, him winning me weeks on the other end. The Philadelphia Flyers, if I bring up how good Seattle was for Grubauer, I have to bring up just how bad the Flyers are in front of just what do any you goalie they're the that best they play. offensive team in the NHL. Oh, so bad. Goals for right now, they're 26th in the NHL, averaging 2.83 shots. They're 24th, so that makes them bottom 10 in both shots and goals. But then when we go to the other side, goals allowed, they are 19th in the NHL. It's a little bit better. The 3.21 goals against allowed average um and but that's mostly because carts played so well and then shots allowed they're in the bottom half of the league again placing 18th um averaging i believe it is 35 and a half shots uh on goal allowed here i i have 75 written down so that's definitely not what we're not looking correct. for i believe i was looking at their penalty kill when i wrote that down good. um but yeah they are a team that when i mentioned it uh, with Seattle, you want to look at team numbers around a goaltender, and when they are this glaringly bad, I, I want nothing to do with it. There are a lot of goalies that I would rather play who might have worse season numbers, but just I trust the team in front of them. Um, I, so for Hart, like I, it, when Toronto comes around, I don't want to play no. him. When Tampa comes around, when the 15 of the league's teams come around, I don't want to play Carter Hart, and I can't stand doing that in a lineup. I think one of the other things that, that is Urson. worth mentioning is Samuel Erson's been Urson. uh, terrific. He's 4-0 and on the Philadelphia Flyers. He's he may never lose. 24 save percentage. Um, I play him in DraftKings whenever he gets the start because he's actually really solid. and Didn't he's he super, someone good He's super cheap. Day. Yeah, he posted a shutout the other night. His first career, he was also 32 seconds away from a shutout in the game before that. He's been really good. So if he continues to play at, at this level, uh, you'd have to imagine that he's going to start to take uh, starts away from Carter Hart. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle the whole situation with Field Sandstrom as well, but... Uh, you send Sandstrom in as 887 or whatever yeah, back to the Arison, minors. Arison's been really, really good yeah, for them, and I, I think that, that there's... Uh, I think if Arison stays, he's going to play a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So and if they, he does play kinda, a lot, is going to be a split, because you're not going to have Hart City yeah. either, so... Yeah, yeah they've kind of said that they want to go back to Hart consistently, because Tortorella's like, I love yeah. Hart, but... At that point, I mean, you send him down. You're right, and, and if Hart's getting 60-40... Um, do you want 60% of... He's going to get the hard starts. He's yeah. going to play the teams they need hard at. And God, do yeah, I no. not want that. They're not the worst defensive team, but they're just also not going to oh, score yeah. enough goals for him to win a lot of games. Like I said, they've obviously heated up recently, but it doesn't seem very sustainable. Um, just to give you... Uh, <laughs> sorry, yeah, go ahead. I'll... I was just going to say Jeremy Swayman was the goalie who almost scored. Yes. Oh, speaking of... Oh, no, Jeremy Swayman was my, my breakup. Yeah. Popped it down. I actually hit the side of the net, not the post, but the side of the net. I said Linus Allmark, so I knew it was a Boston goalie. I had a 50-50% chance. There you go. Yeah, we'll give it to you. Um, 
over those 10 games, the Flyers' highest shooting percentage in the league. So I don't know if that's sustainable. Um, okay, my <laughs> second half bust slash sell high is Stuart Skinner. Take us Again, home. I, I feel bad because like, I really like Tage Thompson. I really like Josh Morrissey, and I really like Stuart Skinner. But, um, you know, I, I guess that's what makes this job hard. you got to got to trash players that you like sometimes. Yep. And to me, it's <laughs> the, it's the really part. it's really less about Stuart Skinner as much as it is just how bad the Oilers are defensively. Um, they've been an absolute nightmare defensively, specifically as of late. Like it has not been good at all. They really need to make some changes. Like to me, it, it feels like this team is just sitting around waiting for Evander Kane to come back and just try to and just fix everything. Which it's like. Well, that's really not going to fix the fact that your blue line's an absolute tire fire. So, um, yeah, they're just if they don't make changes, their goalies are going to be, uh, you know, just basically at the mercy of the other team every single night. And I don't think that that's great in a division that's pretty good. No, um, in a Western Conference that's very good. And Skinner makes me. Uh, a little bit nervous. I think the other thing that worries me a little bit about Stuart Skinner is I think that we are also starting to see a little bit of the bounce back, a little bit of resurgence from Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell has played much, much better as of late. And that obviously, if like... It's all relative, right? It was at the point... (laughs) Yeah. But it was at the point where like, Jack. Stuart Skinner started every single game because yeah. they, they they physically could not play Jack Campbell. Seen that like before? They, 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 they could not go to him because Stuart Skin or because he was so bad, and Stuart Skinner just started every game. So uh, we've already seen you know the the lack of defense start to wear on Stuart Skinner. Nine oh four save percentage in his last nine starts. So like I said, Jack Campbell obviously. Still a, a long shot, not somebody that I was willing to call my second half breakout for obvious reasons. But like I said, he's been much better as of late. You know, maybe the matchups haven't been too crazy, crazy difficult. But in his last three starts, he's only allowed two goals in each of those games. Still posting an 897 save percentage, but he's been strong. Um, They're going to want to get him right. Like it, You can't pay him that much money. It's going to be a ton of pressure from the front office to play him. We got a young head coach yeah. who obviously owes his <laughs> his job to the GM and Kenny Holland. So, yeah, Campbell's going to get starts. And it's the same thing as Gubauer. Even if it's not with the intention of actually becoming the number one again, I mean, I don't know who you feel more comfortable with in a playoff series. Like, I would just play the hotter hand at that point. Yeah. But either way, like, this is a long-term contract they've locked themselves into. Um, they don't want to end the season with the entire league having the, you know, summation that it's a giant waste of cap space. You want to at least, again, similar to Gubauer, make it look like it's a somewhat movable asset, even if you don't plan on him being the number one netminder. So, Campbell's going to continue to get worse Speaking either way. of giant waste of cap space... Oliver Ekman Larson, healthy scratch today. Hate and to uh, yeah, he, he's, he's got a ticket. He's got a real, real big ticket. Um, $8.25 million contract, $7.26 million on the books for the Canucks. Nothing uh, like sending a message by scratch. Their bio would be something like over eight years. So like I would go through 2030, 2031, I think. Yeah. And it would cost them like $2.5 million per season for the next eight years. So I'm not sure he's getting bought out anytime either. Yeah. So... It's going to Give be the Wade Redden. interesting. I don't know why we just started talking about all the Ekman Larson, but big waste of cap space really got me interested. I, there. I'm just sorry. Like, there's no way that Dermot Stillman Bear are, are are better options. Even Luke Shen. Like, I like Shen, but they are I, at the moment. I I, I like Ekman Larson day, was fantastic in Arizona, but in two ways. Like for a decade, he's, he's, like, he's had a he's had a real tough. I, I know. This year. I understand, but again, like I, I I get it. Like you you scratch the guy, you send a message, but. Um, it could just be like a mental reset. 
I guess. But like, I don't. I, Did you see he? The guy's got to get right on the ice. Like he he's he's a talented day. player, and I I again I I think that. I don't know. I'd be giving them the opportunity to figure it out, and I think that's a pretty, you know, it's tough to just say that you look at that roster and say that it's, uh, you know, it's it's on him. Obviously, he has not performed to that contract yeah. at all, but I don't think he has a lot of help around him. I don't think, like, obviously, he's been really bad this year. I think it's obviously more of maybe just a mental reset. As you said, Beebs, just try to get him right, probably back in the lineup the next game. I'm but sure he's thrilled about being scratched. You know, know, like, he's <laughs> jacked up about being the guy in the press box. Yeah. He's making he didn't seven points. He didn't have to yeah, deal right. with Stamkos and Kucherov tonight. So I think the top lights comment was like, he better be buying everyone in there a hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to do it for Season 8, Episode 26 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast. I'm Brock Segan. Got Dylan D. Berthing to my right, Michael Beebs, Bonnie to my left. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys back here next week. We're breaking out. Not busting as a show. Peace. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.